Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. Today, I want to talk about a very common but misunderstood OCD theme, and that is the the theme of disgust. A lot of kids and adults and people with OCD have discussed OCD themes, and it's it's often misunderstood. And I uh, was watching different um, presentations in the o- the online OCD conference. I'm actually recording this on October 23rd. Unfortunately, you're not going to hear it for another month because I'm so far ahead, which is wildly impressive. Um, so it may be missing its timing, but there was a presentation on discussed OCD and it was actually really interesting. I had heard about this perspective before, but I thought it would be worth a podcast. I don't think I've done a podcast on disgust in particular, but I may have, but I have a couple of new things I wanted to share with you. But before we get started, a couple of announcements. This podcast is sponsored by NoCD, which I greatly appreciate because NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. And I like that they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. because that really helps connect people with clinically sound uh, therapeutic approaches. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. You just have to go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. And I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Thank goodness for no CD because they're really getting some care to people who would otherwise not have accessibility. Okay. Another quick announcement is I am doing a workshop. This is the first time I've ever done a workshop. So it's not one of my webinars that are kind of like on autopilot. I am going to do a live workshop on zoom and I surveyed the audience and suggested a whole bunch of different topics and everybody voted on how to help discover your child's anxiety or OCD core fear, which is really important. And in that workshop, I'm going to talk about why it's important to find the core fear. And then I'm going to talk to you about exactly how do you do that? Because a lot of times we're, we're shooting in the dark or we're shooting at our hips. (laughs) So there's an expression in there somewhere that I've slaughtered, but we are playing whack-a-mole and we're just like, oh, they're having this issue or, oh, they're having this compulsion or, oh, they're having this anxiety theme. And we're missing the theme that ties them all together. We're missing the undercurrent that's driving everything. You can have a child with anxiety and OCD and multiple OCD themes and anxiety issues. And there's maybe one or two core fears that's driving the entire thing. When we find that, it's like finding the top of the head of the snake. It's like getting to the source of the struggle. And so a lot of times parents are like, how do I do that? You know, it's like not obvious to me. And that is why I'm going to do a live zoom workshop. It's coming out on December 9th. It's actually not coming out. It's live. (laughs) If you can't make it live when you register, you can, you'll actually get the replay. I will eventually put this up in my online school at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. But it's going to be like all the other workshops that are in my school. They're going to be $25 or you can bundle them. I have, I think, four workshops right now. 
from prior like live events that I've done. I just record them fresh for my online school for those people that just want a workshop and they don't want to attend something. The difference though is when you attend live to this workshop or you register for it and get the replay, it's only $10. I just want it to be incredibly affordable, especially around the holiday season. I just wanted it to be like, you know what? It's like a ticket to a movie and I'm going to get all of this information that is going to completely be a game changer for my child's anxiety or OCD. But if you wait, it'll eventually be my online school and it will be like twice as much. So it doesn't make any sense to me. You can sign up for this workshop at natashadaniels.com slash workshop. I'm hoping to maybe offer a couple of live workshops per year. It's kind of like an evolution of my social anxiety because I think I don't like doing live things, but I'm getting better. So join me. You'll have an opportunity for a Q&A at the end, and it's just nice to be able to meet you in person, virtual person. So go to natashadaniels.com slash workshop, sign up. It's on December 9th. If you can't make it because you're signed up and registered, you will still get that replay for that low price. Okay, let's move on and talk about disgust OCD. This is something that is alive and kicking at my house. And I love to talk about things Not that I only talk about things that relate to me. (laughs) It can seem that way sometimes, but I love when there is a topic that I wanted to talk about anyway, and I have lived experience with it because I add that element of we're in the trenches with this. I'm a mom to a child with discussed OCD themes. And so I know this on a personal level besides a clinical level. So I just want to start with some education in case you are not sure if your child has some discussed OCD themes. Ironically, talking about the core fear in uh, my workshop, this gets confusing because when people are trying to find the core fear and the child has some disgust OCD, they feel like they're not quite getting down to the bottom of the rabbit hole because the bot, like what they're getting from their child is, you know, it's just gross. Well, what's the scariest part about that? Or what are you, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid. Often these kids will say, it's just gross nasty, disgusting. Those are the, that's the, those are the words they'll use. And similar to just right OCD themes, like when kids have just right OCD, they'll often say it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel just right. They'll like literally use the language that is used to describe the theme. Same thing with disgust. A lot of times kids will say gross instead of disgusting, but as kids get older, they'll use the word. It's just so gross. It's disgusting. It's nasty. And There is no core fear underneath. The core fear is that I'm not going to be able to handle that overwhelming feeling of disgust. And so that's the core fear. Now it can smush together with some other themes. So if you have harm OCD and you're worried about harming other people, you might be concerned about spreading it to other people and it's gross and you're going to be spreading it to them. To me, that still is a little bit of harm OCD. And, and I think harm OCD is actually just a little byproduct of moral OCD because I don't want to do anything bad, which is more moral scrupulosity themed. Don't get too far in the weeds with all of this because we can easily get in the weeds and we want a little box for this and a little box for that. And then we separate them and we don't see them as just one, one big presentation of just a messy ball of OCD. (laughs) That's what it is. But the reason why I want to talk about disgust OCD is because one, when people are using the lens of what is their core fear, they think the child is not being fully, they're not disclosing fully what is actually going on because the child's just saying gross. So I think it's first of all, important for us to know both as therapists and as parents that sometimes you are at the bottom of that, 
of that rabbit hole that disgust is the theme. And the core fear is I won't be able to handle that feeling of disgust. It won't go away. And I can't, I can't cope with that. If that's not the core fear and they're like worried they're going to harm other people or make other people feel gross or to me, then the, the, the disgust is not the core fear. But often when they're saying it's gross, it's just, they don't like the feeling. Okay. So it can show up in so many different themes. And this is the hard part too, is we think, sometimes I think we think of OCD themes in these little tight boxes and they're not, they are, the boundaries are gray and they're open and they, they smush together. They blend with other themes. And so understanding the core fear is so important. That's why I talk about, that's why I'm going to talk about that in my workshop. So you can have a metaphobia, the fear of throw up and your core fear is it's gross. That's one of my daughter's new ones is she has always had a metaphobia and her core fears have been different in the past. They've been tied to social anxiety and a loss of control, but she doesn't really have that anymore. And it's kind of morphed into, ew, if someone throws up next to me, it's just so gross. I don't think I'll be able to handle it. It can be, it can show up in moral OCD where kids might have overt concerns about bodily fluid, especially like semen. This happens in the tweens and teens and then adulthood where some issues that are underlying around masturbation or sexual activity and semen is seen as gross and the core fear could just be discussed. But a lot of times our kids will have multiple OCD themes and a few core fears. And so like my daughter has discussed, but she has other core fears too. Normally like, you know, a couple of core fears and then a zillion different themes and compulsions and intrusive thoughts. Um, you can have disgust over something being sticky. That's one of my daughters. If something is sticky, it revolts her to the point where it's overwhelming. You can have kids that have food aversions and the food is just disgusting to them. And you see this a lot in ARFID that they might have multiple core fears around ARFID, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder is what ARFID stands for. But for some kids, it's like, it's just disgusting. Now my son has ARFID. He is disgusted by food sometimes. He's worried he's going to feel nauseous or he does feel nauseous, but then sometimes he's worried he's going to choke. And so there's, there could be some multiple issues around ARFID, but including disgust. I've had kids in my practice and my own kid who has a disgust theme around hair. People are disgusted by hair in drains. And a lot of us can be grossed out by things. But when we're talking about disgust as an OCD theme, it is overwhelming they can't do things or function if they're triggered or they avoid situations so that they're not triggered. I have seen kids in the AT parenting community. Parents have talked about kids who have discussed themes around hair. So if they get hair on them or if hair is in their food or they think hair is in their food, it's all just gross and disgusting. It's not about what the hair means or that there's germs on the hair. It's just gross. I have seen um, kids with discuss themes around dead things. And in fact, one of the 12 kids who she's a teenager who participated in helping me make my course crushing OCD for kids and teens. There's 12 kids and teens that help me teach that and talk about their own experiences. And there is a girl in that course who talks about how it was frustrating for her because her therapist and her parents just kept saying, but what are you afraid of? But what, what are you afraid of? Like, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? And she kept saying, it's just gross. And so she was frustrating everybody, but it wasn't her fault. 
And it was around dead things. Um, That was one of her themes. So swimming in a lake was just gross because there are dead fish or there's dead, you know, a a fish life. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, but you know what I mean? So there's a lot of, there was a lot of themes around dead things being gross. Um, I have seen some people have germ themes and we assume they're worried about getting sick, which is an assumption that we shouldn't make because you can be afraid of germs or germs can be an issue for so many different reasons. But one of them is, it's just gross. The idea or the thought of just these germs like crawling all over my hands is disgusting. I'm not worried about getting sick. I'm not worried about getting other people sick. It's just gross. And that is it. There's the core fear. Um, I won't be able to handle the overwhelming feeling of disgust. Now, in general, the approach is to um, tackle any OCD theme in the same way that you would tackle any other OCD theme. And I always say the foundation is the same. So don't get stuck too much on what theme you're trying to tackle. Look at the foundation of treatment, even if you're at home doing this, right? Like what's the framework and just input whatever that theme is and follow the roadmap, which is always the same. You know, we're pulling back our accommodations. We are teaching our kids to, you know, resist their compulsions one small step at a time. I talk about that in the crushing OCD course and the kids course too, you know, that we want them to play defense and defense is recognizing it's OCD, delaying their compulsions, eventually ignoring their compulsions, maybe even doing the opposite of their compulsions would be level four. But then offense is exposures. So defense and offense should be done with any OCD theme. That and offense is ERP, exposure response prevention, where you purposely expose yourself. And I go into this in my courses, which you can find at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. There has been discussion, and I've heard this discussion before about how disgust is different than other OCD themes and it should be treated differently. And I think that's an interesting approach. It's an interesting theory. Um, There had been a therapist, Richard Gallagher, who had written an article for the International OCD Foundation last year, I believe, about disgust-based OCD thoughts and a new treatment protocol, which he created, I believe. There's not a lot of research on this. I don't think there's any research on this actually. And so it was just lived experience and his experience. So I had read that article in the past, but him and and two other therapists, uh, Chris Tronston and Bronwyn Schreier did a presentation for the OCD conference just recently, which you actually can still watch if you registered for the conference. And then I believe it's available for 60 days. You can actually watch all the replays until um, October, November, December. So probably by the end of December. So you could probably still watch that. Just go to iocdf.org. I'm sure there's going to be a link up there to be able to watch the replay. I definitely recommend doing that because there's a lot of, it's just always interesting. You always get some good perspectives and you can always learn what is the latest and greatest going on in the OCD world. I had already read that article and I've already heard of that approach, but I was interested to hear these three therapists talk about it with their lived experience dealing with their own disgust OCD. And Richard Gallagher argues that in his article, like the amygdala handles fear, but disgust is processed by a different part of the brain known as the insula. And so it responds differently. I would somewhat argue that really OCD separate than anxiety 
is really about the circuitry in the basal ganglia. The amygdala is one small component where anxiety, like amygdala is like, you know, kind of the epicenter of anxiety. There needs to be more research, I think, in everybody understanding this. But um, but the, it is a good point in that the insula is not part of even the basal ganglia. It's like connected next to it, but not part of it. And so I do find that interesting in his theory. And these therapists were talking about their lived experience of they were able to kind of get rid of a lot of their OCD themes. Chris had the most interesting story to me, just the way that he explained it. And I think he's very articulate that he was able to get rid of most of his OCD themes, but the disgust one really was sticky, no pun intended, and he couldn't get rid of that one. And so he had to, he actually read this article by Richard Gallagher and he tried these different approaches and it was effective for him. So I think that's really helpful for us to hear as parents. Um, I know for me, raising my daughter, who is almost 12. Well, actually, by the time this is published, she will be 12. I have no 11-year-old anymore. My kids are getting so old. And I do agree with him. I do agree with all of them that I feel like her other themes, doing exposures, I see an extinction in a lot of her struggles pretty quickly at this point. Even like a new theme pops up and we do exposures and it's manageable again she will always be disgusted by certain things. And so for her, sticky stuff overwhelms her. Hair overwhelms her to the point where she, you know, there was a point where she wouldn't take a shower because she was worried she was going to see hair in the drain, and which is a very probable thing because my hair falls out a lot and she likes to take a shower in my bathroom for some reason. It was hard for her to make her sandwiches at one point because like the mayonnaise and the ketchup disgusted her. And she had to use multiple knives to like keep them separate and she could not do the dishes. And it was like a new thing because she wasn't like difficult and just didn't want to do the dishes. Um, She was always willing to help out. And then all of a sudden this disgust stuff overwhelmed her recently. And this is my concern is that she started to be like, do I smell or I think I smell something. And she's always had an acute sense of smell, but it's, it's starting to get into the word world of imagination you know, where she needs to come home right away because she thinks that she smells and she needs to take a shower. And so we're keeping, a, I'm keeping a close eye on that because it's a brand new struggle. Thankfully, I just got her a new OCD therapist because I just need to hand the baton to somebody else. I'm very excited about that. But I do, I can concur with the other therapists that were talking about this in that presentation that yes, that one's very, it's sticky. It's been hard to expose. So Richard Gallagher's argument is that you can't do exposures in the same way. And so I would definitely recommend watching the presentation. It's interesting. We're reading his article and I'll link it in the show notes, but he talks about instead of exposures in a classical sort of way, he moves into mastery with doing whatever you need to to do to feel comfortable. And so in the OCD world, we think of that and we think, Eek! you know, cause he's talking about wear gloves or, you know, like a, what we would kind of consider uh, not even safety behaviors, but I would say compulsions really. And he talks about doing kind of like an act approach, acceptance, commitment therapy, you know, like moving towards the things that you care about and doing it in whatever way you can, you know? So if I have to wear gloves to move forward, then I'm going to do that because I, it's important for me to make my sandwich. Or if I have to wash my hands after I touch something sticky, I'm going to do that because I would still want to touch the thing, or I need to put a bandaid on or whatever. And so that's a bit controversial in the OCD world because that's not, that's not what we learn. And I, but I do find it interesting as far as him also saying that exposures 
just classic exposures like if pee or poop disgusts you, it's not that you're afraid of it being germy or whatever, but it's just gross to you just sitting there and touching poop. But I mean, who wants to do that? But he would say like those classic exposures of just touching the toilet or doing something is not going to be effective. Again, there's not research to back this up. So take everything I'm saying and take everything he's saying with a grain of salt. Research needs to catch up with a lot of people and a lot of things that are coming out in the OCD world. But I think it there is, there has been a movement somewhat of moving towards more value-based exposures of doing something because not just randomly, like, you know, we're going to touch this stuff and you're over time, you're going to become desensitized to it, but we're going to do things that you care about despite of OCD. And so I know that we kind of naturally did that with my daughter and her disgust themes. She, you know, she would earn points to take a shower and I would purposely leave my hair in the shower because I wanted a natural exposure of, you know, can you go and take a shower? She's going to have roommates in the future and they're going to leave hair everywhere. And how is she going to be able to cope with that? I want her to be able to function. And so making sure the shower is squeaky clean wasn't really to me going to help her. And so we did do exposures where I did purposely leave hair in there, um, but she's taking a shower. I didn't take a hairball and like put it in her hand or she didn't have to sniff a hairball or like, you know, that would be kind of your classic exposure perhaps. Um, With lunches, I stopped making her lunches. Once I realized it was an exposure or I mean, once I realized it was an accommodation, she, she made her own lunches. I do see her sometimes using multiple knives because she doesn't want to mix the, the mayonnaise on it bothers her and the ketchup. I have no idea what's going on with that, but, um, as long as she's making her lunch, I'm okay with that. Cause it's not really growing. I'm not seeing it grow. I'm seeing that she's able to function. It doesn't involve me and she's doing it. So I can, I can align with what he's saying in that aspect for sure. Band-aids and sticky stuff. We do have to be careful because, you know, the more she's avoiding things, we don't want her to avoid stuff. And I have done in my therapy office, sticky situations. <laughs> that kind of sounds kind of funny, but I've had kids who had, you know, stickiness as their theme. And we did do exposures where I had, you know, stickers or band-aids that they would put on themselves. Or I even had this bar that was like just a sticky bar. It was meant to like put your iPad on or like stick something up. Um, one of those things that you wet and then it gets sticky. You probably know what I'm talking about. And I would use those as exposures where they would touch it and they would just sit with the grossness for a little while and be able to handle the discomfort. I do believe that building up their muscles to handle the discomfort is really helpful in the, in the, in his presentation, he had argued that you won't ever habitualize to the feel of disgust and that habituation won't happen. And what he means by that is like, you're never going to like become desensitized to it. So if you touch a million sticky things or you touch a bunch of dead stuff, you're never going to feel like that's not gross. I would argue that that is true for some in in general for for a lot of people with OCD. And that's why we're moving from the habituation model to the inhibitory learning model, which has happened for quite a long time in that the goal is not for you to necessarily habituate to it where it doesn't bother you, but the goal is for you to be able to handle the discomfort. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know 
what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding your touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. I definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. I have a huge issue with taking pills. I used to have to like crush them up or I used to have to have a liquid form. I was a big baby, you know? Well, I shouldn't say that because maybe some of you have it too. I just, it was embarrassing. I felt like a big baby because I'd have to go to the doctor and I'd say, is there a liquid form of that? Anyway, eventually I had my gallbladder removed when my son was born back 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And I developed like a gallbladder IBS issue, which I didn't know existed. I had to do a lot of my own research and eventually found a GI doctor who agreed with me. (laughs) And it was, it was very debilitating. And so like my whole life was dictated on like, how close I am to a toilet. What am I eating? It felt very, it, it was very triggering for my social anxiety. Anyway, this episode is not about that. <laughs> but my point is she prescribed this medication that is actually just a binder. Um, it's actually a medication for cholesterol, but they have found that it actually helps with people who don't have a gallbladder, who have IBS induced by a gallbladder removal. And it is like a game changer. My whole life has changed because I have no issues anymore. But the pill is the most massive pill I have ever seen in my entire life. It is big for even a person who doesn't normally have an issue with pills. And I've been taking that pill once a day for the past year and a half, I think. And I still get very anxious taking it, but I know I can handle the discomfort. 
And I know that, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of gotten stuck in my throat a couple of times, more than a couple of times, but I know I can handle that and I'm calm and I can get a drink and the panic kind of solves. And so I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Um, I haven't habituated to it. I don't think I'll ever feel relaxed taking that pill, but I've learned that I can handle the discomfort, which is more of the inhibitory learning model, just to give you an example of, of that. And so I think that's a moot point when it comes to discuss, because that's the goal really in general. I mean, my kids, they know that the goal is to be able to learn how to handle the discomfort. Um, it's not to, it's not to, to rid yourself of the, the anxiety necessarily, because that might always be there. It's not necessarily to rid you of the intrusive thought because that might always be there, but can I handle this intrusive thought? Can I handle this anxiety? Yes. That's the goal. I think that's the goal with everything. So to me, that's not such a riveting point, but I think it is, it is important to know that maybe trying to find things that are much more related to their area of disgust and the things that they want to do. So if they want to go swimming um, in a pool, but it's overwhelming for them, can they do that anyway? Like, can the exposures be value-based? value, value based? Which I actually think, again, is not a new concept. And I think it actually makes sense in a lot of OCD themes. You know, it's the ACT approach of, I want to do an exposure that's actually going to really impact your life in in, in real life. Sometimes I think with moral OCD, there's certain themes that the exposures and emetophobia, the fear of throwing up, we're veering off outside of real life and we're coming up with very structured exercises that are very well crafted. But I think with disgust, I agree. I think it, it should be something that people have to do and they want to do anyway. Now, he would argue that they could do whatever they need to do to feel comfortable. I think I would want to watch that a little bit. So yeah, like if something is sticky and I do it and then I go wash my hands, I think that's fine, right? But if I do something sticky and then I wash my hands like 15 times or I wash my hands for an hour or I have to go take a shower and wash my entire body, that's a concern for me. Um, but I do feel like these baby steps are are appropriate for a lot of OCD themes. So like my daughter won't do the dishes initially. And for a long time, it was just an exposure where it would be like, just, you know, put your plate in the sink with all the gross stuff or, you know, doing something like that. But over time, it's been like, now we're going to have you on the rotation of doing the dishes because you're eventually going to be a grown human being that's going to have to do their dishes in their house. And that's not going to be very helpful if you're making everybody else do it. Uh, so we started with me rinsing all the, everyone had there's just three of us now, but like we all agreed to really rinse our plates and then put them in the left side of the sink. And so the sink full of dishes looks very clean. Uh, and she would get very upset if she just saw like a little smidge of something in there or the water wasn't perfectly clear. And we accommodated that for a while because her job was to just put those dishes in the dishwasher, but she knows that there's nothing triggering in there. Well, we're starting to move up. We've been doing that for maybe, I would say, five or six months. Now we're moving up. So that is kind of like what he said, right? It's, we, we are accommodating that on some level, you know, so she can do the dishes, but, you know, in whatever way. Uh, and it's may, maybe not exactly what he's saying, actually, <laughs> but we're accommodating it on some level so that she can do a baby step. And, but now I said, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We're going to start leaving some things in the dishwasher. I mean, in the sink. So what I used to do is I, if I saw like some piece of gunk, something minor, microscopic, I would clean it out so that it was ready for her to do the dishes. Now I'm leaving it. 
And she's at a point where she agreed. Yeah, that's good. I can do that. She understands. She understands where we're headed and why we're headed there. So um, I do think starting off with things that, you know, maybe, maybe help them do that, uh, but are, you know, like they go swimming and then maybe they have to take a shower afterwards, uh, but only one shower and maybe not for five hours, but maybe just for 30 minutes. So I think, um, I think that makes sense. The one part that I'm not really on board with is the inferential cognitive behavioral therapy, ICBT. Um, there was a little bit about ICBT. Um, Bronwyn was talking about ICBT and I feel like it does not resonate with me. I have so many issues, unfortunately, with ICBT. I think it's a great alternative to ERP when ERP has not worked. Um, and when, um, when the themes are related to the core fears are related to who they are as a person, not every core fear is related to yourself. And if you, if you view it that way, then you can't really be aligned with ICBT. Um, because inferential cognitive behavioral therapy says that there is a feared self and that really everything is dictated by your feared self. But, and so she gave an example of her own disgust, but really her feared self was like spreading the germs around or spreading the disgust around. And to me, that's not a core fear of disgust. Um, core fear of disgust with my, with the kids I've worked with in my practice and my own daughter is, it's just gross. There's no feared self, you know, it's just, it's gross. And the fear is, I don't think I can handle it. Well, you could probably argue as a feared self. If you really want to go down that, that, um, rabbit hole, you can you know, be creative and argue anything, but I really don't feel like, I really don't feel like that aligns. And so, um, I'm not on board with that. I'm just like with just right OCD themes. I don't think inferential cognitive behavioral therapy works for that. Um, because I don't think there's a feared self when you, when you want things just right. And you feel like, it just will feel uncomfortable if it's not just right. Uh, in the training that I took in ICBT, the answer to that was, well, if if there is no feared self, then it's probably not OCD. And I don't think you can say that. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. So I'm not the biggest fan of um, inferential cognitive behavioral therapy. I do see its place. I think it can be fantastic for people who are not ready to do ERP or um, have tried ERP and it hasn't worked. And have themes that are related to themselves, such as moral OCD, harm OCD, um, sexual orientation OCD. Uh, I think those all work really well, possibly with ICBT if ERP was a complete failure, but that's a very narrow group of OCD themes. And it is there's no evidence-based research for the use of ICBT with children. And so there's a big caveat with that. Uh, there's not, there's some research out there for adults, but there is none with children. And it's a, it's a, it's a new thought with OCD and it's kind of splitting up the OCD world, to be honest with you into two camps. You know, you have people who are gung ho about ICBT and you have people who are like, uh, there's some concerns. Um, I am in the, uh, there's some concerns camp, but I do see its place in, in certain cases. And I do feel like it, I see, can see where it can really help people, adults, with very specific themes that are related to their core identity. I don't think OCD is always related to your core identity though. And I don't think it's appropriate for kids. So you will hear that component in that presentation. Um, just, I just wanted you to know kind of where I stand in that. 
Um, I think it's wonderful that we all have different opinions and that there's different options and there's different approaches. And I think it's really healthy and important that we're all able to voice our opinions and, um, and let people pick what they, what they choose for their treatments and what resonates with them. Uh, just wanted you to know where I am with that so that you hear that and you're like, she didn't even mention that part. What about that part? Well, now, you know, so I think in general, it's really helpful for all these therapists to come out and talk about their own personal experiences, because I do feel like bringing our own personal experiences. I mean, that's what I do as a mom and an OCD therapist, bringing my own parenting experiences to the table so I can hear these things clinically and then say, how does that resonate with me clinically? And then how does that resonate with me as a mom? Um, And so I see it from both lenses. And that's what I'd like to bring to you is, okay, here's my clinical approach on this. I agree with a lot of what was said about disgust. I think there's some caveats. I think you have to be super careful with the, you know, do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable. I feel like that can get out of control and you have to watch that. I'm not sure. I think baby steps that could be very, very helpful. And I also agree with maybe doing exposures that are value-based and value-based just means like, you know, you value making your lunch and you value doing the dishes because you know, that's a life skill you're going to have to do. And you don't want your roommates to hate you for life. So I do agree with all that too. So it's all good stuff. Check out, uh, the OCD conference replays. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, some food for thought for sure. And don't forget to check out my workshop. If you're like interested in the core fears and what you can do with them, you can check that out at natashadaniels.com slash workshop. And that will be on December 9th. And I'm excited to start that. If you are enjoying my podcast, I was just thinking like, what am I supposed to say next? If you are enjoying my podcast, don't forget to leave a star. I appreciate that or a comment or a review. Taking the extra time to leave a review is greatly appreciated. And I always like to give back and show my appreciation by reading one of those. If there's a new one and there is, I want to thank Bido Empire for leaving a review. Um, they wrote helpful and practical podcasts. This podcast sets itself apart by its friendly, empathetic style and useful, applicable information. It's not a bunch of background or theoretical research about OCD. It's practical day-to-day advice. Natasha Daniels is a wonderful host who's been there. And if you listen, she lives it every day. That's so true. <laughs> Unfortunately, highly recommended for any parent struggling to help their kids make progress. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.